Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and happy new year to you all. That's right, we're back. This is the Kraken Night Show. If this is the first show you're listening to, then this will be the first time you hear this. If you're a returning listener, you've heard me say this a million times, but we are the only podcast on the planet dedicated to youngest teams in the NHL, that, of course, being the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. Um, we thought we would keep the spirit of the holiday season, which is normally about many, many things, whether that be family, friends, um, and uh, food. Uh, and in terms of expansion, was more than what I was thinking around in terms of the holiday season. So we've decided to do the same in the Crack and Night show. So joining me are now two partners in crime for this episode. So JP is back, obviously, as always. So hello to you, JP. Hope you had a good Christmas, mate. I did, Ian. Ate plenty of uh, plenty of food and now have to probably lose a few holiday pounds. But uh, <laughs> how about you? Did you have a good holiday? Yeah, that's what um, elastic waistbands were made for, my friend. So uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's all it's all good, mate. It's all good. And uh, and returning to the show for his second appearance, if I'm not mistaken, is the Golden Knights beat reporter for Vegas Hockey Now. Owen Krebs. So great to have you here again, Owen, and uh, and Happy New Year to you as well, mate. Happy New Year, yeah. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. And uh, yourself, in terms of Christmas, did you have a good Christmas? <laughs> no, honestly. I uh, Here on the East, or back on the East Coast in the United States, uh, flights and holiday, uh, there were a bunch of cancellations due to weather, and I didn't get to go home and see my family for Christmas, but it's all right. I'm uh. I'm past oh, that's it. The worst. And yeah, that wet that winter yeah, storm was terrible, right? Yeah, yeah. I made it through it. Mm. Like in the UK, we obviously heard about about it, but we never really got to hear. And this is typical for kind of UK news, and I'm sure that the US is no different. Uh, local news always takes priority, and world news tends to be kind of touched on around the edges and, and not a lot more. But um, it's, yeah, we obviously heard of the storms, but didn't really hear and, and get to see the true impact to, to kind of people's lives. And, and especially from a country like the United Kingdom, where if we get any snow, our entire system grinds to a halt. Whereas you guys, from the pictures that I saw, we're not talking a bit. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a lot. Um, so Yeah, it had a massive go. effect for sure. Oh, that's too bad, Owen. It's, uh, I hate to hear that, man. We have some bits to cover, so we're obviously going to ask uh, Mr. Krebs while we have you on the uh, podcast a number of questions, but we do actually have some news to cover. There you go, JP. So I've not embarrassed you by using the one where you are singing <laughs> alongside of it. I thought Thank I would save you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I, you're welcome. <laughs> I thought you'd ease you into 2023 right. a little bit. You know what I mean? Start so, the new year off right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, so two bits of news that I wanted to to cover. Um, nothing major, I suppose. The first one around Shane Wright. So Shane Wright, we talked about on the podcast numerous times. Uh, we talked about whether or not he should be assigned back to juniors, whether or not he would get any stints in the NHL and we saw a whole flurry of things happen after that we saw him go down for various conditioning stints uh to Coachella where he did reasonably well uh but in the last couple of days I think last maybe 48 hours or so uh Shane Wright has been assigned to I say juniors because as as Owen broke to us a minute ago he was assigned back to his team in the and uh, Owen is it the OHL that he's gone to uh, I let me check real quick. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. 
There you go. So OHL, but he has been tra- traded from his team that he was obviously he, there. Okay, last I'm looking season. right now. He has not been traded, mm-hmm. but they are they are moving him. Uh, Jeff Merrick said him. that. Right, so he's with the Kingston Frontenacs, and he said that Jeff Merrick said that they're he's going to absolutely be traded. Uh, the OHL's trade deadline is on Tuesday. Okay. So by the time you listen to this podcast, which is released on Wednesday. He probably will be in a new team. But the point of this news bit is that he's been assigned to back to junior, which wasn't a massive surprise, but was something that was was hot topic. Um, Now, I I don't know if either you two know this. I know that if you if you send the the um, the player back to juniors before they've played nine games in the NHL, I believe that they doesn't burn that first year of the contract. Correct. But if it's after that, it does. Now, I'm just double-checking here, but I have a feeling he's played more than nine games. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm just going on happy, cap-friendly to see. Um, although yeah, he was he played eight. He was, there. Oh, okay, played there eight. you go. Okay. Which would explain the timing. <laughs> yeah, he, was, oh, he was right at his limit there, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, I think personally, and I'll open it to the floor in a second, is what your thoughts are. But for me, it felt like it was the right thing to do. I think with Tolvanen coming in as well, like he struggled to get in the team before Eli was there with, with him there now and playing quite well for Kraken. With all respect, he was, a, he was a waiver pickup, so he's not exactly lighting the world on fire, but he's playing good enough to earn uh, his, his roster spot. And I think there's no point Shane Wright sitting as a scratched player for the remainder of 2023 when he can go and play some meaningful hockey down a junior. So for me, I know people will disagree in the way this has been handled by uh, Ron Francis on, on the Seattle Kraken. But I, I kind of felt like it's the right move. And I'd open it to you guys for your thoughts. Is it possible that also that in addition to not wanting to burn a year of his contract, mm-hmm. they're also thinking, you know, this is a strong chance they're going to be a playoff team, right? And to, to get there, are they thinking they'd rather bolster the depth with maybe they've got – you know, some other players in mind that they can use for depth rather than him while he develops. I mean, that's got to play into this (laughs) decision, wouldn't you think? I think it's a great shout. I think I love the fact that you're you're saying that Seattle are a playoff team. I wholeheartedly agree, of course, as as everybody who listens to this podcast, the long-term listeners know, we've been saying it for a little while. Um, I I think that's exactly what Kraken did. I, I really do believe that they've got his development in mind and like he has the potential to be a really, really, really good player. But it's it's that old thing where when you're you're as touted as he is, you kind of want the media off his back a little bit. And this does do that. Mm. Because whilst he's off in the OHL, he's not constantly people saying, Why have you scratched Shane Wright? When's Shane Wright gonna get ice time? When is he playing? When is he playing? When is he playing? And then when he plays and maybe he doesn't get any points in one game, everyone's like, Oh, it's it's because he's not playing enough time or because he's a bust or whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. I think there's multiple reasons, but one of them definitely has to be the Seattle Kraken's playoff chances. We said actually in the final episode before Christmas that the period over Christmas was going to define Seattle's season as to whether or not they were a playoff team, wildcard maybe, but still playoff bound, or they were going to be, you know, it's not our year, we'll just keep stock and and build for next season. And the fact that we're on a four-game unbeaten run at the moment, I don't think we've lost a game in 2023. And we've beaten some decent opponents, including uh, Toronto in there, uh, which is always nice. 
So there's certain teams that I like I like us to beat, and that's certainly one of them. Um, I think they are they they've got to be thinking at the deadline. They're buyers, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, and they've still got four games in hand. Go ahead, on. I heard that they were interested. This is again. I was just listening to Thirty Two Thoughts earlier today. That's where they mm-hmm. talked about the Shane Wright stuff. Uh, I heard they were interested potentially in Bo Horvat. Um, oh, could go as nice. high as as Bo. I don't know if the Kraken want to go full buy at a deadline, especially a player like Horvat, who's going to fetch a pretty penny. He's going to be an expensive player to add. I think the Kraken have the assets, mm. but the question is, do they want to get rid of those assets? I don't think Ron Francis is in a, a rush to win a Stanley Cup. I just think he wants to do it in general, which you know that should be the goal <laughs> for any team is to not rush and and sell and overachieve uh, or not overachieve, but uh, try and throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. There, they want these prospects to develop. That's part of the reason they sent Shane right back to the minors. It's not like this team is contending for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, they could make the playoffs, but. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be in on Horvat just because I think Ron Francis is a patient general manager. He understands that they weren't blessed like the Golden Knights were with a stacked team right at the beginning. And yep. it's going to be a while before they can contend for a Stanley Cup. But they may make the playoffs this year, but contend for a Stanley Cup, it's still going to be a while. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and just, you know, I think that's... That's certainly where I would be. I'm under no illusions that I don't see us lasting very long in the playoffs. But you know, I think we said again, JP, on the last episode, for for Seattle fans, after last year, which was a tough year, because a lot of people, whether they really believed it or not, kind of wanted Seattle to be Vegas 2.0 in terms of having this kind of out-the-gate amazing season, which obviously it 100% wasn't. Um, it were some benefits to that, uh, one of which being Shane Wright, obviously, because that's why we ended up with the draft pick that we had. But they, the fact that the fans are there, they're seeing the team win, they've got a lot of positivity now within the stadium, within the franchise, the organization as a whole. You know, regardless of whether we, we go out in the first round or we lose in the final, which is highly unlikely, um, then it doesn't matter. Just to get there this year is, is a massive step forward. So, um yeah, I, I agree, and I think to start trading first-round picks would be a real, real stupid move, given where the team's at. I think, and I think Seattle's right on track. Like as far as their yeah. progression as a team, I think they're actually this year probably beyond where people hoped they would be. So it's, I mean, things are going well, right? And and they just need to keep pacing themselves, right? Like you said, don't try too much too soon, and I'm sure they know that, you know. Agreed. So flicking across to the second piece of news, um, just to, not to annoy all of our United States listeners by having this in our news piece, but it is news. Uh, so Canada won the World Junior Championship uh, in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, there's two things I wanted to quickly mention. Oh, and I'll come to you in a second because I know there was a few Vegas Golden Knights prospects that were at the uh, World Juniors. Um, and obviously a couple of Kraken ones as well, one that we've already mentioned. Um, but one thing I wanted to say was about Connor Bedard because he was obviously where everybody was looking for majority of the World Juniors anyway. Everybody knows he's going to be the first-round pick this year. He's His ceiling is ridiculous. We've heard people say it for ages, whether he'll ever get there or not. We'll wait and see. But I, I like the fact that when he was interviewed after it, he continuously kept saying, this isn't about me, this is about the team. And I thought, you know, we probably don't say it enough when, we, when we're 
when you see and he is a kid right being interviewed and being that professional and and modest in his responses i, I just i was really impressed by him as a person he's never going to be a seattle kraken because we're nowhere near bad enough to, to get a first overall <laughs> pick this year but i just you know whatever team gets him you know whether his ceiling is better than mcdavid or not i just think he's he's just a real real good head on his shoulders i was very impressed with him throughout that tournament um but oh, yeah, there was some uh, some some Vegas players worth mentioning in the in the, in the World Juniors. Yeah, they had four um, four prospects there, and with the tournament that uh, Czechia had, uh, two of them were really kind of had more of a spotlight. Uh, Matthias Sep- Sepulvalov and Jakub Rabinek uh, both played for Czechia, and they went all the way to the the gold medal game into overtime mm-hmm. uh, until Dylan Gunther scored to. Win the gold medal for Canada. On Canada, though, was Zach Dean, uh, first-round pick by the Golden Knights. And then also uh, goaltender Carl Lindbaum of Sweden. They all had good tournaments. Lindbaum especially, he he was really good. I know in the bronze medal game, it was a 8-7 Team USA victory. So that didn't really help his stats. But Lindbaum, before then, he had a really good tournament. Two shutouts. Um, Dean was a good third-line player for Canada. On their mm-hmm. goal team, and then the, the two Czechs had really big tournaments, uh, and I think they were both a point point per game player or, or near that for for Czechia on their run that they went on. Yeah, that's always good to hear because um, with the way that the Vegas has been since you know, since they entered the NHL, really they've they've been so good. The focus is always on the now. It's always nice to hear about the uh, the kind of what's in the locker room ready ready to come in the future because sometimes I think the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights prospect list was always seen to be quite uh, sparse whereas yeah. I think in reality there's now there is quite a few you know they're not they're not kind of these aren't all kind of bad odds but these there are some good solid potential NHL players that are starting to build down there right yeah it's uh it's developing honestly I'm kind of in the same boat like I, I don't follow the prospects as much as I should um mm-hmm. i'm more focused on they're not really prospects but i'm more focused on the guys that are coming into the nhl right now like caden korzak and paul cotter and even logan thompson um those are the players that i view as young and up and coming so i mean they're they're kind of all graduates this year because they they're nhl players now at this point uh, especially thompson and cotter um so the next batch that i'm kind of focused on would be say the uh brendan Brisson's um dean might be in that category soon uh pavel dorofeyev still really hasn't broken out daniel miramanov's close to breaking out so uh i i I take my time when i when i follow prospects because these kids are only you know 18 19 years old and a lot could happen they could be traded they could be they could underdevelop so uh yeah but it is nice to know yeah that the pipeline is not empty right right (laughs) there was kind of some concern there yeah, for a while it was like, do we have any prospects left? Uh, so it's ni- nice to hear that a few prospects have had good performances at juniors and stuff. So right, yeah, exactly. You know, and and also, you know, you guys know better than I do. But Vegas traded so many, didn't they? You know, some of the some of the ones that had made it into the NHL didn't stay there for very long as a Vegas Golden Knight, anyway. So um, always good to see. Now, I I know that I'm going to be doing no favors with 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 you both when i bring this up um but given that it only happened uh, a matter of of uh, 
you know, hours ago, a bit to nearly 24, I thought we need to talk about the Kings game. Um, two things that I wanted to, to, to ask you both, and I will start with yourself, Owen, and then go to UJP second. But A, what you thought about the game, um, and then second part of that question is what you thought about Thompson being pulled. Yeah, Cassidy said after the game it wasn't really – he didn't say this specifically, but you can tell by his comments it wasn't really Thompson's fault. I think his exact comments were – might as well get Aiden Hill into this game because he was just mad and upset on the the overall team's performance. Um, I didn't think the Golden Knights played bad defensively. Uh, they just had a couple defensive goofs that ended up costing them. They couldn't generate anything offensively uh, after the first period. Um, no. They had a lot of puck luck not go there in their favor after the first period, and then it just seemed like they kind of gave up. Uh, the Kings played a, a really strong... Uh, neutral zone game with the one three one and mm-hmm. it worked and that's what Braden McNabb and, and Mark Stone said after the game too is that yeah they just they played their game and they they beat the Golden Knights simply uh with their their neutral zone game so I don't think any of this has to do with Thompson it was more of just Cassidy trying to wake up his team and yeah that was that's pretty much it so I remember a comment from I think a bit of Ray Ferraro who said it which is that the coach I think one of the coaches must have been talking to him when he was between the benches and, and said, like, I, I can't, if I could, I'd pull them all, yeah. but I can't do that. So I have to pull the goalie, you know, and I think that's kind of what this was, where it wasn't Thompson's <laughs> fault. And, you know, watching the, watching the highlights and, you know, obviously the, you know, the downside of being in the UK, that's the best that I get. But I thought Thompson had quite a good first period. It is kind of the wheels fell off a little bit in the second for Vegas. And then, like you said, Owen, he was just the unfortunate casualty of, uh, of Cassidy, no doubt, <laughs> wanting to launch a water bottle somewhere in in that bench. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, JP, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, Owen, you mentioned the one three one. I I'd be curious to hear Owen's thoughts on this. I feel like the the modern LA Kings, the, the Kings of this season, especially, are one of those teams that you don't want to be chasing them in the game. Like, right? You never want to be chasing, right? But some teams. Their systems, it's easier to come back. But I feel like with the Kings, if you go down against them, I feel like the Knights have always had a hard time getting back in games if the Kings score first. And um, and like Owen mentioned, clogging up the neutral zone was, uh, I saw a lot of that. I, you know, I'm not concerned in the long term. Uh, I think teams play stinkers and right, the Knights are still on top of the Pacific. But um, but did you do you feel that way about the Kings, Owen? Like, are they the, are they that kind of team? It's like you don't want to go down against them because you're going to have a really hard time, right? You have to start taking more risks. And um, is that kind of what happened last night a little bit? The Knights had to stretch a little bit to try to catch up, and then it just multiplied and things got worse from there. Or, or is that how you saw the game? Absolutely, I think, and that's that's the biggest concern that I have with this team in the playoffs is that everyone in the playoffs will play a systematic team defense, a way more structured team defense mm. uh, when you enter the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it might be the LA Kings in the first round. This could be a, a likely first round matchup. Uh, Golden Knights, uh, Kings maybe in the first round or second or, or who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have teams like that. Not every team is going to be able to outscore you and – you know, just skate laps around you like the Tampa Bay Lightning and Florida Panthers can. Right. You'll have teams like the New York Islanders where in the LA Kings that are just going to sit back, play defense, and it's going to frustrate you. And, I mean, the Golden Knights, they figured the, the, the reassurance there is that they, they know how to 
get past this. They figured it out before they they beat the Kings uh, once already this season, uh, and you know they've scored how many goals uh, at home? They scored five goals at home these past couple of games, and now this this one was a stinker. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a game that they will study a lot. Uh, like and again, they have a four day break here, so this is a a perfect game for them to sit down and really study what do we need to do to to get pucks in deep and pass this one three one and and how do we fix it? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna have to chew on it. If this is one of those games you wish it was a back to back that you could just turn around and play again the next day, <laughs> but uh, maybe that'll be a good thing. Unpleasant for the team to have to chew on that for four days, but like you said, maybe maybe that'll be good to take a little time to analyze and and reflect. And uh, overall, though, Ian, I'm not not really concerned. Like every team plays a stinker every once in a while, and that wasn't even. I've seen them play worse games, but uh, the, the the results would imply that it was a stinker. So, but but anyway, yeah, there was um, a bit of uh, you know, like I think Owen, you put it right when you said puck luck not going Vegas's way. I mean, well, you hit the post twice, maybe in the first period, maybe three times. They had a yeah, they had a three post hits, and they had a two on zero with Riley Smith and. Um, Jack Eichel, arguably the two yes. best, you know, two of the best players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, especially based on current form. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a game of inches, right? Like one of those goes in and it, it could, right. could have been a very different game, but that's hockey, right? Like you got to right. find those, you got to find those inches. So, yeah. And like you said, it's better that they have these problems now because maybe this is corrected by systems. Maybe this is corrected by acquisitions because let's not kid ourselves that Vegas, we're talking about Seattle's acquisitions in the off season, uh, off season in the, uh, by the trade deadline, even that Vegas are not going to be thinking the same, which is what, what do we need anything at the trade deadline? Is there anybody that we could maybe pick up? Okay. Yes. There's the cap gymnastics that, um, you know, Vegas have to do that Seattle don't as much anyway. Um, but I, I don't doubt for a second that that Vegas are also thinking, is there somebody that we could pick up? And maybe that's something they need because it does look like they are a bit of a bogey team for uh, for Vegas, especially this year. You're right. You, the first game of the season was against them, which you won 4-3. Mm-hmm. Um, but scrolling down the schedule here, I think the only other times you've played them have both been losses. So 4-2 on the 28th of December and then 5-1, obviously, uh, the other night. So but hey right so but we have we have our guest and therefore we have some questions to ask you owen whilst you're on um nothing too strenuous but we thought whilst we have you here we wanted to hear from you um and there's a few things that we've been discussing on the podcast over the last couple of months which we wanted to have an intelligent person's take rather than uh, rather than the two of us <laughs> which is what our listeners have been subjected to i don't know how much i can help you with that yeah it's an improvement it's a lost cause um but now obviously we've talked about you know um off off air but it changes for yourself in terms of in terms of role but focusing more on on, on vegas themselves um we talked on the podcast numerous times it's one of jp's kind of big things around locker room vibes um, and how important they are for a successful team you get to see this a lot more than we do so i wanted to know what your thought was and what your take is on the kind of team chemistry morale in the vegas golden knights this year is there anything you've seen or changes you've seen uh, that you think is aiding 
Well, I don't have any changes because this is my first year doing it in person. So I will say that, the, yeah, it's, it seems like it's a really good locker room system, group of guys in there. Um, the ones that stand out are, are Paul Cotter, Phil Kessel, Jonathan Marshall, Alec Martinez, Logan Thompson. They're all charismatic guys. And, you know, it seems like that in terms of a locker room, like the Golden Knights have a very good team. They have the the jokesters. They have the the serious players when, when push comes to shove. They have the leaders like Alec Martinez and Mark Stone uh, to guide them. And then they have the 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 kids that are trying to make a name for themselves and a and a shot and just a lot of also players that are coming back from tough circumstances last year that want to prove themselves Alec Martinez Mark Stone Riley Smith with injuries Jack Eichel mm-hmm. even um, Logan Thompson wanting to prove he's an NHL player Bruce Cassidy after he got fired from from Boston when he probably shouldn't have because he's a great coach so a lot of that and I think they all are built together and. You know, since year one, I wasn't here year one. I'm only here year, what is this, six now. But the Golden Knights have always had the misfit identity, and I think that's still true. They always have, even if they do add, you know, star players like Stone, Petrangelo, and Eichel, they will always have that that misfit identity, and they'll always group together with that as a team that was never expected to do much. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's very good for the team. I got to say, I, I noticed um... – and and like you said, Owen, you weren't there in person last year. And obviously, even though I live in town, I don't cover the team in the way that you do. Um, it felt, it just felt like last year morale was seriously in the toilet, just watching the guys on the bench and kind of watching the vibe and understandable, right. Based on the kind of bad luck they had last season. And, uh, it, it just felt a little bit too, like maybe at some point DeBoer may have lost the locker room a little bit at least just just little things you hear and from what I saw. Um, so it's nice, to, it's nice to hear. And you can feel it. You can feel that the morale is a lot higher this year. I think having a new coach in there helps a lot. I think uh, winning, obviously, it's much easier to be in a good mood when you're winning. <laughs> so it's kind of a no-brainer. But, um, but that's the vibe we get kind of on the outside. So it's, that's, it's kind that's of cool very to, That's very accurate. Like I yeah. said, like there's a lot of players on this team and just people on this team that want to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they have so far. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, yeah. going, it's going very even in spite of games like last night. They're still right. They're, they're still, still right where they need to be at the moment. This is a this is a more of a, a short side question, but uh, given you in your job have to interview numerous players and obviously uh, the coach as well. Who's your favorite person to interview so far this season? I've I've been waiting for someone to ask me this question like publicly because I've only ever like told my my buddies and stuff. So I'll go out on a record. I'll say it's definitely Paul Cotter. Paul Cotter's hilarious. Um, and given that he's only a year, he's only a year older than me. Um, it's nice to like, I don't know, talk to someone that's kind of in the same, we're not in the same exact circumstance, but like we're both trying to make our way into this big league and mm-hmm. this huge hockey world. So it's good with that. Um, he's definitely the funniest. Uh, Kessel is, is funny, but he's, he won't talk to you that much, which is fine. Um, <laughs> Aiden Hill is probably the nicest, like pure, just like he's the most respectable and nicest. He'll give you, always give you a smile. Uh, and then like, yeah, the leaders, the leaders will give you a good quotes. Alec, Alec, uh, Alex Petrangelo, Mark Stone, Jonathan Marshall, so guys like that. And Cassidy has been great too. Cassidy is a very, 
detailed coach and he's not afraid to tell the media like what he's thinking and I really, really admire that. It makes my job a lot easier. Right. Every time I watch a Cassidy interview, especially his post-game pressers, I feel like I'm getting a hockey clinic. Like he's so transparent about even things like strategy. And you don't hear a lot of coaches talk in that level of detail, which I find really interesting. Like a lot of coaches, it's almost like they're, they want to keep it close to the hip. Cassidy's kind of quite the opposite. I'm sure he doesn't share everything, but right. But he, it's yeah. amazing how much detail he shares about what their goals are, what what went well, what didn't go well. Like it's kind of refreshing, really, isn't it? Yeah. Again, like again, this is my first coach. I, I talked to Pete like once or twice last year remotely, so I, I really don't have much to compare it to. But uh, when our our New York Islanders writer was here, uh, I, I sat in on a press conference with Lane Lambert, and. You know, not to diss Lane Lambert or anything, but like I just listening to him, like, oh, okay, this is what most coaches are like. He's not telling the media a lot, um, and that's mm-hmm. fine. He's keeping it close to his chest. And then compare that to Cassidy, who will tell you why this player was moved in the lineup and this player, like, and that's I, I respect both of like the different types of coach, but I will say Cassidy is a lot better for my job. So. Yeah, it gives you more <laughs> more to write about, right? right? More interesting things to to tweet about, to write about. To, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I, and I think the fans seem to really like Cassidy so far. Of course, once again, winning helps, right? Right. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes the first time there's a losing season or something. But uh, but so far, it seems like it's a good fit. Yeah. Now you've you've mentioned culture a few times, Owen, and we didn't actually. This wasn't on one of the questions we sent to you. So I'm going. We're going to go sideways here and give you a. A question that we haven't given you any time to prep for, um, but I have, I have no doubt you'll have no issues with it whatsoever. Um, we've talked about Carter, and one of the questions we got asked by our listeners was what we thought his ceiling was and what he needed to do in, to improve, if anything. Um, so I'm going to flip that question back to you and, and ask what you think Cotter's ceiling is and how far could he go, and you know, is he is is his path right now like the right one for him? No, it's absolutely the right one for him. He is savoring his opportunity and and just his personality and the way that he he goes about his daily business is probably the biggest reason on why he is where he is at right now. Last night he was the most noticeable golden knight, just hitting everything that moves, so energetic mm-hmm. and because of that, I don't think he has the the pure skill set and, and scoring prowess to be maybe a, a consistent top six forward. But on this team right now, with their lack of wingers, he might be for the rest of the season. He played with Stone and uh, Stevenson last night at times. I could see him being a uh, a very good third liner, yep. maybe 15, 20 goals peak, uh, 50 points peak. Um, but right now, I don't think he's focused on that, or, or you know, anyone is expecting that out of him. They're just happy on on what he did. Like he was a healthy scratch earlier this year. Uh, yeah, he was. He, you know, he's he's taking it one step at a time and just relishing his opportunity. Right now, the the ceiling for him is just playing the next game and contributing as as much as he can. So. Right. It seems like this season is going to be a really play an important role in kind of making him a bona fide NHLer, right? Where right. there's no question about getting is. sent down. Yeah. He, yeah. He's not getting sent down anytime soon or probably ever again. Right. Um, he signed a two year extension, which is good for the Golden Knights in terms of cap stuff because 
if he would have signed that after this season, he probably would have asked for more. And he's basically on a league minimum, around league minimum contract for the next couple of years, which is exactly what teams like the Golden Knights need. Right. Yeah. A lot of high value. <laughs> yeah. A lot of luck they have with Logan Thompson. I mean, we've said that yeah. a few times. Um, you know, his contract just makes everything that he's doing right now even sweeter right. because it's just ridiculous to have a a goalie who could be, you know, potential Vesna um, on an ELC. He is an all star. He is an all star. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention the all star game. But Jesse, Jesse Granger came over to me the other night and he was just joking with me and he was said, like, this team has like how many players that make over five million dollars are up against the salary cap, and the NHL All Star that they chose <laughs> was Logan Thompson, who makes seven hundred thousand or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's amazing, yeah. it's a, and he it's, deserves it. It's it's appropriate though. He That's does. such a Vegas Golden Knights story, right? That's like the right. kind of story that the, <laughs> that this team is known for. It's, it really fit. It fits in a way. It's strangely appropriate, you know. I hadn't thought about it before before you mentioned it and around the whole misfit. The misfit identity was kind of this chip on their shoulder of you know, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing some of the first season, but you were the rejects that your teams didn't want. But coming together, you can prove all your teams wrong. And and from what I've I've heard. You know, for various different um, sources, that almost every night Gallant was would 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 g up the team by saying, "Right, tonight we're playing against the team that let you go, or you know, let you go, or whoever." Just so that each time the team was playing with an edge, yeah. And it feels like this season now, ironically, they've got that back, but only because a lot of the players are, like you said, Owen, are trying to prove to themselves. So it's not like they haven't got a chip on their shoulder because of another team, but like Logan Thompson, proving to himself that he can be an NHL starting goalie. And that kind of edge that I feel is back with Vegas now is, is a real, yeah, real important reason why they are doing as well as right. they are. Like Michael being the last same. season in the and the season before in the bubble year, the expectations mm. were on for the Golden Knights. They were like that's the complete opposite of what they were in 2017 18 2017 18 there was no expectations but once they got mark stone and once they got alex petrangelo and won the pacific division and got to the conference finals and then got to the stanley cup final against the capitals got to the conference finals against the uh against the canadians there was the pressure was there they're like okay here's vegas they're gonna win a stanley cup right and they never did and i think that played a huge part in just how the team operated because they had so high expectations that they may, maybe just couldn't live up to them, and they, they didn't. Now they're kind of mm. taking a step back, and now it's just make the playoffs again, right? They didn't make the playoffs last year. So their, their goal is obviously to still win the Stanley Cup, but now they have all these faces that are coming back and trying to prove themselves. Mark Stone... Uh, who some people stupidly thought his career was over. Um, Logan Thompson, who was saying that, who was said that he will never be an NHL goaltender, ECHL at best. Alec Martinez, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Jack Eichel, Robin Leonard, injuries last season, Nolan Patrick. And it's unfortunate that not everyone gets this shot at a bounce back season like Patrick and, and uh, Leonard. But mm-hmm. most of this team is going through that. And I think that's a big part on why they've been so successful this season. Yeah. Yeah. I think even even players like Eichel uh, has his own, right. It's different, right. Nobody questions his talent and his ability necessarily in the same way that some players and, but uh, there is that weird history with Buffalo and, 
a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Even I, I think, I think Eichel plays with a little bit of that fire too. Sort of happy to be healthy again, happy to be in a new environment where he can focus on playing a little more and a little bit less on trying to captain a team. You know, given is he still right? He's highest paid, best player on the team, arguably, but. I feel like there isn't that same pressure and expectation necessarily here as he had in Buffalo. And it just seems like he's kind of just like, I'm going to do the best I can have a great season. And uh, you can tell he's really enjoying himself. Mm. You know, he's, he's having a good time doing it sucks that he got injured again, but back in the lineup as of was last night, the first one back or a couple games ago, I guess. Right. So last night was, was a second, second one back. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to see even with games like last night, I I'm feeling good about about where the team is at the moment um other than the injuries which we may get to at some point but so we're going to get to injuries now so it's a nice little setup jp (laughs) um although you you did write the question so you should (laughs) you should know (laughs) but um the injury bug was a was a big factor in last season um and i guess it's very easy when there starts to be injuries this season for vegas fans to start to think oh god here we go again um but what's your thoughts, Owen, in terms of the recent string of injuries? Do you do you feel like it's becoming to a point now where it's starting to affect the team negatively, or is it just part and parcel of an eighty-two game season? Well, now it's starting to affect them positively because they've gotten four players back in the last two games. So that's that's good. They got Cotter, Eichel, uh, Marshall, Sol, Martinez back these last two games. Um, I think last year helped them. In terms of, like, yeah, every team goes through injuries, but that was the first time last season that the Golden Knights had ever gone through such a big chunk of injuries that basically they were playing the Henderson Silver Knights at times. And mm. now that they, they went through that this season, not as long, and, this, you know, the season's not over, but it definitely helped them, uh, you know, know what it's like to kind of go through that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um we talked on about Logan Thompson, so I'm going to flick around these questions a little bit now and do my usual. Uh, and and you, oh, I think you said yourself, like people's expectations. I think Vegas fans, you know, generally uh, generally thought that he could he could kind of make it. But I guess the wider league always had their doubts. I and mean, what's your thoughts in terms of not only how he's doing this first season, but what his potential ceiling is as a player? Well, on the ice, he's been great. I don't think Logan Thompson has had one bad game. Last night, he did get pulled. But uh, again, like we talked <laughs> about, it was not his fault. He's had a couple bad goals and bad mm. gaffes, but he's been great. I, I, He definitely deserves to be an all-star. Um, in terms of his ceiling, I don't know, but I, I don't think he knows either. Same thing with Paul Cotter. It's, it's too hard to tell, uh, this season, like who knows what happens next season when Robin Leonard comes back. Um, we don't even know what's going to happen this season when Laurent Bressois potentially gets, you know, called up or what the Golden Knights are going to do given that they have three capable NHL goaltenders. So with Thompson, I just think he's enjoying the uh, the opportunity that he has and, and relishing the moment, and he's an all-star for a reason. He is so hard on himself in a good way. I mean, sometimes it's a little bad in, like, Phil Kessel uh, and and Jonathan Marchessault were even joking about him once uh, when I was in the locker room. They were like, yeah, Thompson, you're so bad. 
because like they overheard him saying in a uh, to one of us that he he didn't have a good game. He had a, a fine game. Um, but you know, whenever you talk to Logan Thompson, it's always about how he's doing in terms of like, well, I want to win a Stanley Cup. I want to continue to do better and, and things like that. And he's working his butt off, and I think he's. He's an NHL goaltender, yes, but I don't know what his ceiling is, to be completely honest. To be fair, though, goaltenders are one of those positions where it it kind of can peak and trough anyway. You see some goalies are elite standard for two, three years, and then they can go through a, a bad patch, you know, just picking names at random here. But Bobrovsky is one that you would highlight of having some fantastic years, having some dreadful years, even the you know, the mighty Carey Price yeah. has had seasons where he's he's been he's been poor. You know, or in seasons where he's been, you know, elite is probably not even a, a big enough word to describe how amazing he's been. So I think you're right. And, uh, what I like about Logan Thompson is exactly what you just said then about his personality. Real driven people always are very self-critical because it's almost hardwired into them to be like that, to keep pushing themselves further and further and further. So when they have a 90% decent game, they'll focus on the 10% not the 90%, you know, that kind of that kind of person. You see that in all different sports, life, work, whatever, those kind of driven individuals. So um, I think as long as he keeps it on the right side for his, you know, for his own personal yeah. health uh, in terms of being self-critical, the, that's not a bad thing to have a goalie that's not satisfied even though he's playing because he has been amazing this season. Like he is, I thought he would be good as in good enough to be NHL standard, right. I didn't think he would be this good. And I'm pleasantly surprised in, in how solid he's been. Yeah, I agree. That's been a really happy surprise. And uh, I would, thought I'd mention to you, Ian, uh, what Owen mentioned just now. We were talking about Brassois in, uh, in episodes, you know, two or three episodes ago. Uh, and his form has, has improved considerably uh, now that he's kind of rehabbing back. So they really do have, like Owen mentioned, kind of three straight up NHL goalies in the pipeline, uh, in addition to, to Leonard, right. Which we, obviously there's a question mark there in terms of knowing how that's going to go and what's going to happen. But, um, but yeah, so they, they're in a great position depth wise and the, the competition's there too, right. You got, you got kind of Brossois who really could step in at any time if somebody were to go out injured or something and get another shot at working his way back exactly. into the roster. So, uh, that healthy competition is probably a, it's a happy little accident this season. Um, in that regard. And I'm sure that helps drive guys like Thompson and Hill to do their best. Right. That's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And worst case scenario, Brossois a great piece to trade at the deadline. If there isn't the spot for him, or if they don't think there's going to be a spot for him. Um, I can't remember when his contract ends. I think it's this season. Yeah. Uh, both Hill and Brossois are up this season. Yeah. thought so. Um, and maybe it's Hill that gets traded and Brossois gets, you know, brought up from, from Henderson, and, and that's what they decide. They, or they keep all three, and you know it's that great piece. Because the last thing you want when you've had a season like Vegas will have is to have an injury, you know, three or four weeks before the playoffs that destroys your whole right. season. We saw that so, a lot last year with the team, exactly. with the teams that were in it. We saw Tristan Jari, mm. UC Soros, yes, uh, a bunch of other goaltenders went out, and that's what I mean. And I think you know the Vegas. Like front office doesn't always maybe isn't loved by the fans twenty four seven for various reasons that we've talked a lot about in this podcast, but they're not stupid, and they're going to know that actually having three goalies 
they don't need to do anything with Brossois. He can continue to play fantastic in Henderson all season. If they don't need him, then he just sits there and his contract ends and they shake hands and see you later or they make the choice between him and Hill in the off-season. But I think it's a great position to be in. For, for somebody who watches a team that struggled last season to have one goalie who was worth, <laughs> worth NHL standard, it's uh, having three is, is a benefit. And correct me if I'm wrong, Owen would probably know this best, but there's no doubt that Brozois is going to be on the taxi squad when come playoff time, right? Knights make it in the playoffs. So he's, mm-hmm. they're going to have access to him. Isn't that right? Am I, am I, is there anything I'm missing there? Like he would be on the taxi squad and be available. I literally to- do not know if the taxi squad still exists and is a thing. Um, but in terms of being on the team, yeah, he'll be like a healthy scratch or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. He'll be like available. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. terms he, of logistics, they- I honestly do not know if the taxi squad exists. I think that was just for COVID. Gotcha. Okay, right. So my, my my verbiage doesn't accurately describe it, but still, like basically, once Henderson's season's over, any of those players can Which be available will be a lot quicker than the Golden Knights because they are not doing <laughs> no. very good right now. It's it's been a bad year for them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, exactly. Um. So, two last questions, and we'll finish with the 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 big one. So we'll we'll, we'll go to Cassidy first. Um. Around and again, you you see this at a different level of detail, Owen, to, to myself and JP. Um, you you two were talking about systems earlier, and uh, and it was coming across that the, the JP the, the you know you, again you got a better understanding than I have in terms of the different formations. But do you feel now, Owen, that the the Vegas Golden Knights are now starting to settle into Cassidy's style? It seemed to me, and this is an outsider looking in, is very different to what DeBoer was like as a, as a general system and certainly in some of the special teams. Um, but do you feel now that the team is starting to settle into what Cassidy wants them to be like? Uh, in short, yes. I, I think that they've, it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks now since they've, they've really established it. I think Alex Petrangelo and the defense took a little bit longer to get adjusted to it. Um, I think mm-hmm. the power play has been, so much better than and just special teams in general have been so much better than they were last year and yeah just to answer your question and and simple like yes i would say yes to that question they they have (laughs) that yeah they're in the systems now and do you think there's any areas that you would see as being to improve on ignoring the one that we obviously talked about in terms of playing teams that are, are maybe a little harder to break down but is there any specific area of the team that you look at and think yeah, that's something that needs to be worked on. Well, they need to play a full, it's a generic hockey quote, but they need to play a full 60 minutes. They are having games where they will be dominant in the first period and the third period, but their second period is just non-existent. Um, I don't know what that yeah. chalks it up to. It could be the grind of the schedule. It could be rest. It could be the other team pushing back in the second because the Golden Knights usually have the lead coming out of the first period, uh, which is good, mm-hmm. but you got to expect that pushback. So uh, their second periods have, have been bad. And, you know, last last night it was – they actually won the second period, won nothing, but – or no, sorry, that was the Penguins game that I'm thinking of. Um, last night, their second period, they kind of just fell into a hole and – dug themselves in a deeper hole. It's it's really the second period. I, I don't know if that's more of a systems thing, but it's it's just that's probably the biggest area they need to improve on this calendar year. Can can something like the long change 
I mean, right. That's the major difference in the second period other than, right. I don't know, fatigue and right. Uh, maybe the second you'd think they'd still be pretty fresh, but maybe there's some psychological factors, but is the long change? Is that what's why their second periods are so different it, or is it just a statistical anomaly? Is it it's definitely a part of it? Um, yeah. But yeah. It's more complicated than that, though. Yeah, probably. there's so many multiple issues that go, can go into it. One night, it could just be puck luck, a hot goaltender, or fatigue. It could be a multitude of different things. But in general, it is that just this team has not been good in the second period. Statistically, if you look at their goals for and goals against in the second period, it's drastically different. Right. Uh, first period is amazing. Second period is total crap. And then the third period is kind of somewhere in the middle, like third periods, like decent, right? Like it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's sort of average holding their own. So they're really, their winning record really is attributed a lot to their first period performance. And then the fact that the third period, they can, they can hold their own, they can hang in there and finish out games, but it's mm-hmm. remarkable how different the the numbers are on second periods. So, right. And, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like you said earlier, JP, the top of the division. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And still very high yeah. in the overall standing. So yeah. what I'm saying in terms of areas that need to improve, I'm going with the Logan Thompson, you can always get better mentality rather than you know, specifically saying these are areas that need to really be fixed. And playing the full 60 minutes, there's so many teams struggle with that. I think, Owen, you're right in terms of schedule certainly doesn't help. Traveling, all those things. You get a few injuries and you don't get the ability to maybe rest players or they in the nhl players don't really get rested anyway the rest the rest they get is in the off season but it's it, it is like you said it, the joke of it being a, a generic hockey quote is because so many teams struggle to struggle to do that you know to actually play the full play a full, full 60, 60 get pucks deep yeah <laughs> that's probably the, that's the big one get pucks deep <laughs> That's the why. That's the why I can't stand. Yeah, I'm so maybe this again. This is because I know me, JP, me, and you have joked about it before. I'm used to, and we're going to have to have a separate um, cast on, on on various things to do with with the press world because there's so many weird differences between the media in the US and the media in the UK. It's crazy in terms of the responses. Don't be wrong. Some of the footballers or soccer players in the UK give generic responses as well um but you just because there's an, the analysis and everything is so different and so critical in the UK uh, whereas in the US it isn't it is that kind of every end of each period they bring out some pointless person to stand there with the little headset on in between and they ask the person the questions and he just says yeah you got to get the pucks in deep and more shots on there again that again wow <laughs> i feel like i'm part of the team guys cuz i'm i'm in the locker room with you it's great um so but that while we're on that that brings up a really uh, something i wanted to mention owen uh and not that i'm any authority on this but uh, I can speak for myself and Ian and and a lot of other Vegas fans. I think that you are a refreshing addition to the the you know kind of the core of press guys that cover the team. And I've noticed in the post game pressers, you I've mentioned this before when on the air that you uh, you are good at coming up with interesting questions and and slightly different angles that we don't always hear. And I. I love a lot of the guys that cover the team, but um, I think you're a, a welcome and refreshing addition to the group of guys that covers the team. And 
Uh, and I think a lot of the fans feel the same way. I've kind of seen your, your Twitter profile kind of growing. And uh, I think you have a, mm. a, a unique voice and interesting things to say about the team. And so I just wanted to take a second to tell you that and, and, and keep it up. Like I said, it's who am I to, to tell you any of this, but, uh, but we think you're doing a, a great job and, uh, and we're enjoying your coverage of the team. So uh, welcome to Vegas. It's good to have you here, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Our pleasure. We're happy to have you on the show. Yes. Yes. I'll definitely second that um, because me and JP, and, and this is for the listeners, we, we, we've got a few things planned for 2023, which we'll reveal at a later point in time, some little tweaks, some changes, some things that we think that the listeners will enjoy. Um, and one of the things that we said straight away was we want to bring Owen back on, on the show because you know we love doing this the first time. And, and, and as, as JP rightly said, you know, it's it's just amazing the development that we've seen from outsiders looking in in terms of yourself and, and what you're doing. So it's yeah, fantastic. It up, now the exactly. Now the final question. This is is it's a little tongue in cheek when I ask this question, um, but, but I, you know it's worth asking. Um, before we started the season, we did a predictions episode, um, which uh, we will bring Mike back on the show held him to account like the whole shame thing we will hold him to account for some of his his um <laughs> his predictions but one of the questions that we had was around whether or not vegas were going to be contenders this year and that that's my question to you is that from what you've seen today and i don't just mean playoffs but i mean actual stanley cup contenders is this team good enough to win a stanley cup in your opinion oh boy um <laughs> no not right now. Not right now. Maybe by the time the playoffs roll around, yes. But not right yep. now, which I don't think any team is. There, there are a couple teams that could be built for Stanley Cup. But if the playoffs started right now, the Golden Knights are out in round one. They have a lot of things to work out before the end of the season. That's a good thing because there's you know we're only halfway through the season. Like we said, they need to be a full 60-minute sure. team. I really think they need to add a forward at the trade deadline. Their third line has not been good no matter who you put on it. They're lacking consistency from a lot of players. Injuries are still a thing. They're going to get players back. They will be a better team once the playoffs roll around. But if you were to ask me right now, my gut says no on being a Stanley Cup contender. I think they could win a round. Um, And maybe this is a good thing. Maybe some Golden Knights players are listening to me right now and saying like, oh, okay. And then you get back into the the first year scenario where it's uh, they feel like they're underdogs now, and maybe that makes them actual contenders. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think that's a good assessment. I don't think they're. I don't think you can say that they're a contender right this second, but um, maybe with the hidden potential there to be that. You know, like you said, they'd have to. They have to improve in some yeah the other thing is i think if the team can stay healthy long enough that those that same group of guys can play together (laughs) for a while uh, i think that will be integral like they need to be able to and the third line my gosh we were joking the other day about how the third line uh uh always just seems to be a blender right like it's never the same guy i mean and what can you do people are getting hurt (laughs) that what yeah you don't have much choice there but uh but you mm-hmm. got to have four lines. You got to have four lines producing if you're going to go all the way, right? So, but uh, yeah, good good points, Owen. I, I would say I agree with you. Yeah, no, I, I said it was a tongue in cheek question because you're right. I mean, the reality is of 32 teams, you know, probably 31 of 32 are, are not in a position right now. 
um, where they would class themselves as being Stanley Cup contenders. And it is a bit of a lottery once you get in, but like you said, there's there's certain certain things they can start to work on. So um, as we said before, Owen, look, it's really great to have you on the show. Really appreciate you coming back. Um, and, uh, and yeah, really appreciate you taking the time for us to, to pose a few questions to you. Uh, so thank you very much for, for your time, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's okay. And, and that wraps up our episode, guys. So if, if, you know, if this is the first episode you're listening to, then as I said, Happy New Year to you still and welcome to the show. There are other episodes available, so do feel to check it out. We also have a website as well, which are in the show notes. Um, if you're a returning listener, you know this already, and we're just glad to have you back in 2023. So we will be doing listener questions again in the next couple of weeks. And as discussed prior to uh, the new year, this is now a fortnightly podcast. So this is coming out on Wednesday the 11th which you'll know because you're listening to it now. I'm having to look forward because it's Sunday the 8th, um, which means that the following episode will be released on the 25th of January as we move to a new fortnightly schedule. Um, so until then, I hope everybody has a good January. January is normally seen as being the blue month because um, most people are, are regretting what they ate, what they spent, or both in December. And <laughs> but, uh, but look, if Vegas can continue doing what they're doing, the crack can continue doing what they're doing, at least we've got lots to be positive about from a hockey perspective so so enjoy january as much as you can and we'll see you in a couple of weeks see you soon bye bye